0: First, we turn to another labor struggle. Home care workers are some of the most exploited workers in New York City. These workers are expected to work shifts as long as 24 hours while being, shortchanged, while being shortchanged on the pay they are owed. Many of these women have experienced debilitating injuries and illnesses. A coalition of a number of groups, including the Chinese Staff and Workers Association, Flushing Workers Center, National Organization for Women, NYS, and NYC DSA Socialist Feminists and National Mobilization Against Sweatshops is leading the Ain't I a Woman campaign to get New York City Council to pass new laws that would curtail the abuses home care workers endure. Joining us now to talk m- more about this are Sarah Ahn and Zeke Luger from the Ain't I a Woman campaign. Sarah has been organizing with home care workers for years, and Zeke is a patient's family member who's supports stronger labor protections for home care workers. Sarah Zeke, welcome to WBAI Radio. Uh, Hi, thanks for having us.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: You bet. So starting with you, Sarah, uh, can you describe uh, the labor conditions that home care workers experience, the impact it has had on their lives, and what the campaign wants city council to do about it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I can get us started and then my, um, colleague Zeke can, can jump in. Um, but, uh, you know, as you said, um, these, there are probably tens of thousands of immigrant women of color who are working these inhumane 24-hour shifts. They most commonly do three to four, um, days a week. So, um a lot of those who testified at the city council hearing last week would talk about, you know, that's it's a consecutive 72, 96 hour shift, um, if you think about it, right? Um right. so this has taken an, an immense toll on both their physical and mental health. Um people may not realize, but home care work is actually very um uh, very, what is it? It's like mm-hmm. a very heavy work, right? You have to um, be constantly lifting your patients, especially those who get the 24-hour care. Um, they tend to be the sickest patients, right? Many of them are bed-bound. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the workers have to turn them in their beds, you know, every two hours. They have to be very quick to, you know, to change diapers, to, you know, clean up any, you know, soiled clothing so that they don't... Uh, they don't get bed sores and the like. Um, those who are um, able to walk, you know, usually they need a lot of, uh, you know, physical support, right, to get to the bathroom, to get to the kitchen, you know, just to even walk around um, around the home. Um, so they they really do suffer a lot of physical injuries, um, back, arm, leg, neck, spinal injuries, etc. Um, and on top of that, without having the time to rest, right? Uh, if you think about it, you know we all know that's really when your body also like recovers, right? Mm-hmm. And so not having, um, you know, sleep, not being able to get sleep. One, I mean, it's it's torturous for these women. A lot of these women, you know, call uh, call these just torture shifts, right? Uh, because you know they they can't sleep for more than you know an hour, two hour, a little bit here and there. Um, but I think it also means that they, their bodies don't have a chance to really, uh, recover. So they, they also, you know, these injuries kind of compound on itself. They all, you know, it's very common for them to all have, um, severe insomnia. Um, even after workers have retired, they talk about how, um, you know, their insomnia, their sleeping disorders never go away, right? They never can go back to a regular sleeping, uh, you know, habit. Um, high blood pressure, diabetes, just, just, you know, a, a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, illnesses. Um, and then the, the, on the mental end, you know, uh, they feel they're very isolated, right? They go into patients' home for days in a row. They don't get to see their own families. They share, you know, again, last week at the hearing, they shared lots of heartbreaking stories about, you know, just just missing everything in life. You know, um, you know, from the good to the bad, right? The deaths of their family members. You know, not being able to give care to their own mothers, to their own family members. Um, you know, missing weddings. You know, New Year's holidays, etc. Um. So anyway, we're you know, uh, this being the the case, right? And 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 these workers really having been speaking out. Um, you know, for many years now against the racist violence of 24 hour, you know, these shifts, um, we're, uh, you know, they're also working with, um, council member Chris Marte of District 1 to, um, int- you know, he has introduced and to push through legislation that will stop this practice once and for all. Um, it will, the bill will um, very simply cap the hours um, to 12 hours in one day, as well as 50 hours in one week that one um, employer can require of a worker. Um, so there's some out there who say, oh, this will um, stop 24-hour care. That's what this bill is going to do. Um, that's completely incorrect. Um, we also think, you know, 24-hour care is necessary uh, care, um, actually a lot of the patients right now are not receiving 24 hour care because, you know, the, the caretakers are so exhausted, right? That it's very right. difficult for them to do, you know, consistent care. Um, and, um, actually even the agency. Please tell them because, you know, the pay scheme you talked about, you know, they want to try to get away with not paying for night hours. So they'll tell the workers to just ignore the patients, even threaten the patients saying, oh, you keep asking for help. You're going to be sent to a nursing home. Right. So this is a current situation. And what our bill is aiming to do is um, just ensure that those who need 24 hour care get the care done by two or more workers in one day.
0: Right. And and, uh, turning to you, Zeke, why do you as a patient's uh, family member support this legislation
2: um well i would say that um just you know seeing my grandmother uh, over the last 8 years when she's needed home care um you know like one of the things uh you know i sort of realized over time is that um you know the the uh workers who take care of her have developed like a very close bond with her and really the uh you know uh, as much as like You know, we, um, you know, like my grandmother is like very important to us and we like to think we still are to her. Um, you know, the worker who takes care of the workers who take care of her are really the most important people in her life right now. Um, you know, her mood is really dependent on, you know, how the workers who are spending their, their whole days with her, um, you know, how they, how they're feeling. And, um, it's, you know, uh when I talk with people with the I woman campaign, like we all could really see um how you know the conditions that my grandmother faces um as as a patient with dementia um you know really uh are just uh, her conditions are really bound up with the conditions uh, uh you know her her workers face
0: right and and how is this le- legislation progressing at city council? There was a hearing last week uh, over a 100- hundred. A home care workers uh uh attended or tr- tried to get into the the hearing um so how is this progressing i mean it, it, is it gaining support from other council members in addition to christopher Marte?
2: yeah um it's actually been a very popular bill um was it all uh very early on we got a majority of uh the city council supporting the bill it now has bipartisan support um but we want even more members of the city council to sign on to be able to see what's at stake here and you know how destructive this current system is. Um, yeah,
0: right. And and um, uh, Sarah, can you talk about? I mean, the sort of the industry as a whole. I mean, who the the brokers and the agencies are that have uh, created this uh, system of abusive labor practices, and also uh, the the workers are represented. Ah, uh, by a union, uh, no less, but that doesn't seem to to have helped them,
1: yeah, um unfortunately, in this case, I would say it's hurt them, um, which um, yeah, it's very concerning. Um, so a lot of the industry is um, so these are workers who, um you know they're not uh, hired privately by uh, families, right? Um, so they are hired by agencies. basically they're their employers, right? These agencies then um, assign them to take care of um, a patient. Um, all of the patients are also uh, Medicaid recipient patients. Um, and um, I think that, you know, it's pretty clear why the 24-hour exists, right, especially when you have this, um, you know, scheme of only paying the workers 13 hours for for 24 um, the Medicaid laws and, and labor laws as it's written is that, um, you know, uh, the worker has to be getting, um, sleep, eight hours of sleep and three hours of meal breaks. Um, which, you know, in of itself is sort of, you know, it's not as if they can leave their workplace and, and go home and tend to whatever, whatever mm-hmm. they need to. Um, but still, right? Um, but actually, uh, even with this, um, uh, law, um, you know, thousands of women have been speaking out for years that this is the furthest thing from the truth, right? That again, you know, those who need around the clock care really do need around the clock care. You know, uh, I, you know, I, we hear from countless women, you know, who say, oh, you know, uh, most, almost all my patients have had, you know, dementia, you know, you know, these, they don't know night and day, right? And no one can explain to them what, what day is and what night is that, you know, that, oh, your caretaker also needs rest. So, you know, now go to sleep. So I can also go to sleep, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it makes sense, right? When you talk to people that, you know, yeah, these are people that we're taking care of, right? Um, so even though all these women have spoken out about the abuses and the violations of the law, um, unfortunately, um, there's been very little um you know you mentioned the uh, the union for example 1199 uh, uh recently arbitrated all of these claims of of their workers um right before the hearing last tuesday actually workers held a 3 day sit in in front of 1199 um because they were so frustrated um you know they arbitrated these claims and they said they're settling their um 10 to 15 years of wage theft um, but they don't tell the workers how much they settled for. Right. So they give the lump sum. Right. So it's something like thirty five million dollars. Um, but that can cover up to one hundred and twenty thousand workers. So every worker there is asking. Right. Well, you know, if I sign away my my, um you know, rights to, you know, to ever sue the employer again and we're letting them off the hook, then how much am I getting? You know, Um and um, uh, I did
0: some quick math here. If you divide. Thirty million by one hundred twenty thousand uh, workers. That's about two hundred and fifty dollars per worker. Yeah, so that's that's a pittance. Yeah.
1: yeah. So everyone can do that simple math, right? And so we're very, you know, the workers are very concerned, right? And um, I, but I also think the bigger issue is um, is the maintenance eleven ninety nine's role in maintaining the twenty four hour workday. You know, because if employers can continue to get off paying back, you know, um, you know less than 1% of wages they steal from workers, um, what incentive would there ever be for these employers to ever start following the law, right? Um, And then on top of that, to oppose um, uh, any initiative on the workers side to end the practice, right? For example, by doing the city bill, we also previously tried to do a state bill which also got um, killed, right? So um, you know, I think this is really at a critical juncture. You know, I invite all your listeners, everyone out there to really support the No More 24 Act. Um, it's a shame that we have such a practice, you know, you know, anywhere in the world, but also in, um, you know, New York City, a, a you know, seemingly progressive city and a progressive state. Um, you know, in 2022, um, it's, it's really, um, I think it's really something that that's shameful for us and particularly those who um have any attachment to the labor movement, right. Um, Who are workers themselves and who have fought to better condition, better the conditions for workers. You know, we, our, our legacy is such that we fought one once upon a time for an eight hour work day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. we, we, we are now saying <laughs> it's okay to have a 24 hour work day. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: It's, it's crazy. It's, um, was it all? Yeah, it like if we look at like our conditions today and we're like, why why are our working conditions like so bad? Like, you know, like when we see like the most progressive union in New York, in, in New York City, eleven ninety-nine, like fighting to maintain like these abusive and apparent conditions for their workers, like and we see, you know, even the in the city council, like many of the uh people most resistant to supporting this bill are some of the most progressive people, some of the You know um you know some of the like who um
0: yeah um i mean yeah um some names here i mean there's people on Um, city council that call themselves progressive and want people to go to work for 24 hours
2: yes so um what's it called in flushing queens there is uh sandra ung uh you know who um says she's worked with uh you know, uh, uh, women who've been abused through domestic violence for many years. But, uh, for some reason she can't see, uh, you know, these, you know, like hundreds of like, probably yet yeah, like hundreds of, uh, you know, women we've talked to, like many, like, like many of whom live in her district who, you know, they just want some basic, like they want to be able to sleep. They want to be able to see their family, but like somehow she can't see that, um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's actually refused to meet with workers um, around this and has said that, you know, she shares 1199's concerns about the bill. Um, So, you know, I think it's... um, And
0: those concerns are what?
1: um, I think that around in this most recent um, hearing, they were saying that this is something that needs to be... Um, done on the state level instead of the city level. Um, you know, it seems like a very mechanical or, I don't know, bureaucratic. Procedural. Yeah, procedural thing. Um, but, you know, again, not to, uh, to, you know, for those of us, you know, from the campaign who also did push a very similar bill in the state. Um they also oppose the state bill, right? right so it's not exactly clear why this can't you know, and also the the city council bill actually mirrors um the um the fair work week um initiatives that the city took a few years ago. Um, to, um, you know, I think to deal with the long hours and scheduling issues that uh, fast food and retail workers um, face. Um, so, you know, it's not as if it comes out of nowhere. It's building on um, city initiatives that were done and passed and I think has proved as what what is it called? Like withstood yeah. legal challenges, um, you know, to be able to be done on the city level um and also, you know, we, we are pointing out that uh, we have found through the years in the campaign that the 24-hour workday is most, most prevalent in New York City. Okay. So even though it is state laws that dictate, you know, home care rules, and and laws, et cetera, that somehow, and, you know, again, we think this goes back to the racism, you know, uh, from the system, Mm. systemic racism, because you do have a large percentage of not just home care workers who are women of color, but also the recipients of the care who are, uh, you know, communities of people of color from communities of color.
0: Right. And can you talk a little bit about uh, how, uh, especially in uh, uh, the Chinese American community, Uh, Many of the women uh, over the last 20 years uh, shifted from uh, working as as, uh, garment workers in the, the sweatshops in Chinatown and transitioned into home care work.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's 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 not that much more than what you just said. You know, the garment industry. I think particularly after 9-11, but, you know, before as well was dwindling. And then there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those factories got moved, um, uh, post 9-11. Um, and so a lot of the uh, Chinese workers, um, but actually also from other industries as, I mean, other nationalities as, as well, you know, the Latino workers we organized mm-hmm. and such, a lot of them also worked in garment factories before. Um so when there was this shift um you know people were looking for work and they'll often talk about how there was a lot of advertisements you know in the newspapers you know being spread in the community come you know get training to become a home care worker you know so a lot of women got sort of um you know funneled into um into the home care industry um and you know that's I don't think people see that as as a bad thing right um you know I think sure. again a lot of people are um, you know, uh, do the work with, um, with their heart and with care, you know, but, um, but, uh, feel very, um, you know, of course, when it comes down to 24, but even, even those out, you know, that they're, it's not a, it's not work that's being recognized and valued.
0: Right. And before we have to go here, uh, one, one more question, uh, which is, um, uh, ain't I a woman is the title of a famous speech, uh, given by Sojourner Truth, uh, a Black woman who escaped from slavery uh, here in New York in the 1820s and went on to become a leading abolitionist and advocate for women's rights as well in mid-19th century America. Uh, Why did y'all choose this particular name for your coalition?
1: Yeah, so um, neither Zeke nor I were around (laughs) when it came about. But uh, the story goes that, um, so NI Women has been around since the 90s and Mm. that it's always been a campaign that... um, Unites women workers and encourages the leadership of, of women workers. So back then there were it was predominantly garment workers, and um, a lot of them came from uh, factories and shops that were um, making clothes for big time um, women designers like D K and Y and Liz Claiborne and um, etc. And when they started to organize, you know, they were also faced with sort of this. Um, Uh, You know, that sort of uh, feminism, that sort of, uh, you know, um, you know, these women, these women CEOs are breaking glass ceilings and, you know, um, revolution, you know, changing the world. And this is best for all women. And, you know, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the garment workers were like, actually, how is this good for me? (laughs) Right. Um, Right. Uh, I'm being exploited just the same and when I come out and speak up for my rights um very similar to what's happening now because you have you know progressive yeah unions yes. progressive import employ- you know people yeah. would say oh but you know um but you have a woman CEO you know you have this is progress right yeah. um so I think that's where you know I think people yeah. identified with that you know the history of Sojourner Truths you know and I women saying um, you know we too um, are women workers, right? Um, and we, um, you know, uh, want our, you know, <laughs> we want to be free from this exploitation, the super exploitation.
0: Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. But uh, Sarah On and Zeke Luger from the Ain't I a Woman campaign, thank you so much for joining us today on the Independent News Hour here on WBAI.
1: Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.
0: Okay, we will be back with more after this short break.